Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and we do welcome you back to our study. It's good to be together each day on this program, search the scriptures and do exactly that. Search the scriptures of God's word, dig deep, look at them in depth and in detail, kind of peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak, and not just read through and study through on a surface level basis, but try to get into the meat of the word. You know, the Hebrews writer talks about that in the closing verses of Hebrews chapter 5 and the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 6 about how As Christians, we need to mature spiritually and get to the point where we're not just kind of eating the pablum, so to speak, making a comparison on a physical basis between a baby and a fully mature uh, human being, an adult, but we need to grow spiritually and not just feed in the milk of the word, but get into the meat of the word. We try to do that here and search the scriptures. We do dig deep. But yet we try to explain God's word in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you learn how to implement what God has communicated to us in his word as his will for our lives. We want to help you be able to understand what he wants from you and then make the proper applications in your life personally. We want to help you get to heaven, bottom line. But Even more bottom line before that, or or, or below that, we want to glorify God by teaching his word accurately, effectively, and mightily. We want to help you see the glory of God, help you see the blessings that he has waiting for you if you will come to him through Jesus Christ, his son, your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, and surrendering to him through baptism for the remission of your sins. And as you do that, you can then come up out of that watery grave of baptism, reborn spiritually, to walk that new life that the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, being a new creation spiritually, and realizing and grabbing onto that hope that God offers you through his word and that Jesus brought to you through the gospel. Well, we pray that that is what you want and that we can effectively help you toward that end. And we want to encourage you to do more than just listen to this program. If you're in the Omaha area, come and visit with us. Check us out at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street. But also, we encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Now, when you go there, scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that. It'll take you about one minute to sign up for our podcasting. Now, using our website is free. It will always be free. Enrolling in our podcasting is free. It always will be free. When you enroll in our podcasting, then you'll automatically receive these programs on a daily basis. They'll go right to your smart device, whichever one you choose. Your smartphone, your computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be. And not only will you receive these daily radio programs, but you receive all of our sermons. You receive our Sunday morning and Wednesday evening Bible classes that we're podcasting, and you'll also receive a great 
short, about a 12 or 13 minute daily Bible study that we call today's Bible class. And all of this will keep you in God's word and help you to grow in your faith, help you to be stronger spiritually, help you keep connected with God. So take advantage of this and also encourage your friends and your family members and anybody you can to go to our website and sign up for our podcasting. And in that way, they can take part in these Bible studies as well. We encourage you to do that. We're going to get back into our study now. We've been talking about a question that is on the mind of a lot of people. And this is something that goes through the years and the generations. There are a lot of people who just think they can't be saved. They're beyond being saved. Again, they wonder, why would God want to save somebody like me? Now, they look at their life, they recognize that they have done bad things. They've done evil things, wicked things, ungodly things. Or maybe simply their life has been ungodly on an ongoing basis. They've lived in sin, in a sinful lifestyle, just on an ongoing basis. Many think, I'm too bad to be good or I've done something too horrible to be forgiven, or I've lived such a wicked life for so long that surely I cannot be forgiven. God would not want to save me. Now, many people, again, they just think they're in a condition of being simply unforgivable. Unforgivable. And as I've said, I have talked with people who had that particular feeling that particular belief about their own lives. It's difficult for many people to believe that God would forgive them after having lived the life that they have been living. Well, let me assure you, not only can God forgive you, but God wants to forgive you. Now, we've looked at a a number of texts of Scripture that talk about how God can do anything There's nothing impossible for God. God blessed Abraham and Sarah, going back to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, with a son. When Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, she had been barren her entire life. They had no children. But God promised 25 years earlier, he had promised them a son through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world in physical form. And that son would be Isaac. God waited 25 years before fulfilling that promise. But when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100, God blessed them with that son. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. God asked Abraham after Sarah had doubted, apparently, Is anything too hard for God? Well, of course, the answer is understood in the question itself. No, nothing is impossible for God. Job stated, I I know that you, speaking of God, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. We read in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, Speaking of God as having created the world, well, God created the universe. He set everything in place. He created this world in a magnificent way, with a magnificent order, 
to sustain life on an ongoing basis. If God is able to do that, if God is able to create the universe, then he is also able to forgive you of your sins. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, Mark chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus was talking about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 19. Now, the young man, a wealthy young man, came to Jesus and said, Good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, Keep the commandments. The young man responded, Which ones? Jesus told him. He gave him a sampling. The young man said, I've kept these from my youth up. What do I still lack? Apparently, he understood inherently within his own mind and heart that something was missing in his life. And so Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor and come follow me. I believe we're to understand that Jesus could read the heart of that young man and that he knew that that young man placed undue security in his wealth. When the young man heard that from Jesus, he went away sorrowful, for he had many possessions. Well, and then Jesus told the apostles standing by, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the belief of that day in that particular culture, in that part, that part of the world was for a person to be wealthy, that must indicate that they're good people. And so when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, they questioned among themselves, then who can be saved? If a rich person cannot be saved, or if it's so hard for a rich person to be saved, then who could be saved? And this was the impetus for Jesus's response. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God has made a way even for those who find difficulty because of their lifestyle, because of their mindset, because of their value system. God can still save those individuals if they will humble themselves and repent and come to him for salvation, his way through Jesus Christ. Again, repenting of their sins and confessing their faith in Christ and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse even them of their sins. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, a passage that I like to refer to frequently because of its very succinct way of stating that nothing is impossible for God. There Jesus simply says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Oh, we think we're pretty sophisticated in our day and age, don't we? We think we've learned a lot. We're pretty intellectual. We're pretty smart. We're capable of doing a whole lot. Do you think maybe God has just been waiting for us to get to this point? <laughs> all of the principles of technology that we are finally figuring out. God laid all those principles out at the beginning 
of time when he created this universe, when he created this world, when he put mankind on this earth. All those principles of technology were there. By his design, we're just finally figuring some of them out. And who knows how many more are out there still without, still beyond our understanding. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 27, Romans 4 and verse 27, the Apostle Paul wrote this about God's ability, about his power. Romans 4 and, and verse 21, I'm sorry. And here Paul wrote, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So when God promises that I want to forgive you, I can save you, he's able to perform. He's able to fulfill that promise. Again, nothing is impossible for God. In fact, when we look at the Hebrews writer and what he says in Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, verses 17 through 19, by, well, by way of illustration, going back to Abraham, the writer says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now again, remember that God had prophesied that through the bloodline of the son of Abraham, the Savior would come into the world in physical form. But Abraham and Sarah had no son at that time. And God would wait 25 years before he blessed them with that son. And they would be of old age by that time. Sarah had been barren her entire life. And then when she was 90 years old, God blessed them with that son. And after that son was born, and some years after that, God tested Abraham, and he said, I want you to offer up your son, your only son, to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham went through all of the motions and actions of doing that up until the very point of taking his son's life, and then God stopped him and said, now I know that you really do have faith in me. Now I know that you really are obedient and dedicated. He was testing Abraham. And so by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He put him on that altar. He went again through every step up to the point of actually taking his life. And just before he did that, God stopped him and said, now I know that you truly do believe. And so he offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises offered his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that, and here was the principle upon which Abraham was obeying God. Now certainly we could say his basic underlying abiding faith, an unyielding faith in God. But why? What, what was his, what was basic in that, that, that faith, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham concluded because of his deep and abiding and unyielding faith in God, Abraham concluded 
probably not understanding why God was asking him to do this, but he concluded God could raise Isaac from the dead. God has told me that it would be through Isaac's bloodline that the Savior would come into the world. All the families of the earth would be blessed. And so if God wants me to do this, I'm going to obey him because I have faith that God can raise Isaac from the dead after I take his life. Well, incredible. Why did Abraham have that degree of faith? Because nothing is impossible for God. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Now, that's verse 1. You think God cannot save you? You wonder why would God want to save someone like you? The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God is all-powerful. We've just read a number of texts of Scripture that declare that and demonstrate that. God can save you. God can save even you. Now, what's holding him back from doing that? Verse 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Okay, now it's on your shoulders. What do you need to do? We talked about that earlier in this study, didn't we? Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That idea of being blotted out means not just the understanding of their being forgiven, but the realization that the record is completely removed. It's blotted out as though they never existed. Wow. God can blot out the guilt of your sins, but you have to make up your mind to repent. What does repent mean again? Making up your mind to change, a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. If you are ready to change your mind to the point of changing your lifestyle from being one of whatever terrible sinfulness you believe that you have been guilty of to a life of dedication and commitment and obedience and faithfulness to God without any question, without any doubt, God can forgive you. He wants to forgive you. God can save someone like you. Now, here's the other side of the equation, so to speak, or the other side of the question. Why would God want to save someone like you or like me? God can forgive you. God can save you. We've established that. God is all-powerful. When we read identities of him such as his being omnipotent, that means almighty or all-powerful. So there's no question but that God can forgive you. Now, 
does God want to forgive you? Why would God want to save someone like you or like me? Does God want to forgive you? The answer to that question is just as emphatic as the answer to the question, can God forgive you? No doubt, God can forgive you. Absolutely, undeniably, without equivocation, God can forgive you. He is all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for God. He can save even someone like you and like me. Now, does God want to forgive you? I remind you of John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Two important statements within that verse. God so loved the world, that includes you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, whoever includes you. Does God want to forgive you? Absolutely. We'll come back and look at this part of the question in more depth and detail next time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us so much. And Father, we give you the glory for being all-powerful, for recognizing and admitting that there is nothing impossible for you. We stand in awe of you, God. Now, Father, help us grasp the other reality that you want to forgive us, that you want to save us, that you want us to be with you in heaven for all of eternity. Help us to realize this and accept it, Father. Please, gracious Father, forgive us. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.